enjoyable to watch the kids all go back. Excited to get their lessons. As I said last week, I intend for every message that I give until family camp to have a focus on the family. Now, whether the family is going to be a major theme of the message or an undercurrent thought uh, is yet to be seen. I just get one message at a time, typically. In one sense, I suppose any message ever given by God has some kind of an undertone of family in it. So it's really not hard to work at all. It's hardly any work to bring in a family aspect into a message from God. I guess what is different is that I intend to bring in some very everyday practically or practicality and precise application to the family that would apply to any person here, whether child, teenager, adult, parent, or grandparent. I've started with a foundation last week, a foundation that every family is to lay everything they do upon. That is that the whole purpose in life, when it is boiled down, when it is added up, When it comes to its final conclusion, is this, that your family is all about God getting glory. I can't think of anything else, really, that's of any matter, that's not going to just disappear and, and go away. There's been a few songs on my heart recently that emphasizes this point of glorifying God. First one I thought of, to God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life in atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Then another song that's just been on my heart, I think maybe John picked up on it. We drive work, sometimes you start humming, you know, and you don't realize people hear what you're humming about, you're walking through. And sometimes you just God puts these random songs. Till the whole world knows. <laughs> that's just been on my till the whole world knows. And then a scripture song. Uh, one of my Scripture that God has just made very real to me. In Romans eleven thirty three, oh the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Now I put a little uh, song behind that. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Amen. You know something, if you think about Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, naked, innocent, 
with a clear conscience before God. It was all about God and His glory. Satan's message was simply this. It's not all about God. It's about you too. Think about that. That message still prevails in the heart of man today. And obviously it's not even in the heart of unregenerated man to give glory to someone whom they have not trusted as their Lord and Savior. Quite frankly, the unsaved, those who have not the Spirit of God dwelling in them, have not even the ability to give God glory. One day they will. At the end, they'll see it, but it'll be too late for them. They'll give God the glory, and they've known that they had messed up. But, you know, it's also a problem with those who are saved to be wholly sold out to the glory of God. It's an internal war between the flesh and the spirit. God gave us his word through Paul in Romans chapter 8 that explained this. It says in Romans 8, 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. <laughs> and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Man, those are some wonderful words in the Bible. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So obviously, your salvation is the only means to even having the potential to give glory to God. But you can't eat a potential steak, as somebody once told me. Salvation does make God your Father. It does make Christ your Lord and Savior. It does mean that God lives in you through the indwelling Spirit of God. But pleasing God, giving Him the glory, is achieved by mortifying or killing the deeds of the flesh and of that of the body, that the Spirit of God in you that dwells in us can lead us into giving glory to God. It's, it's, of, it's even of His Spirit that we are able to give glory. Now, I can tell you that there is nothing at all worthwhile about you getting glory in this world. Unless you can deflect that glory to God. That God gets the glory. If you're not saved, really what it comes down to is everything is about you. Getting the best out of this life and its uncertainties with the with moral parameters that you have set in your life, and some people have set some very good moral values, 
But those are the moral values that makes you the God and make, makes you the determiner of things. For the unsaved, it's about getting what you can until the day you die, once for all. For the saved, it's about investing everything you have for the end day, which you will begin to live forever. You see the difference? We spend a lot of time trying to accumulate and get things here. That's really a mindset of the unsaved, and it makes perfect sense. But for the saved, it's all about an investment in the glory of God for something that is much more, much greater, and that begins when you die, really. <laughs> Life eternal. So I'm going to entitle the message To Be or Not to Be is the question. To be or not to be, that is the question. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would do the work today, Lord God, that you'd hide me um, in my inadequacies, Lord God, but that you'd work through me, uh, as that is your choice to work through uh, the preacher, through the pastors, through teachers, Lord God, but we're just vessels, nothing of any good except that you use it. I offer my words, my body, my thoughts to you this morning, Lord. And I pray that uh, you would use those to your honor and for your glory. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So common questions for everybody in this world is who am I, really? Where did I come from? What is my purpose? What happens when I die? Those are all really quite common questions. Anybody living, you've got to, you don't, you don't have that background. You don't have that foreground uh, understanding at all and it brings up these questions and really all you have to do is when you're unsaved is just uh, try to do the best you can with what you can for how much time you have you, you pretty much know you have a certain amount of time not sure how much that is um, and you just do the best you can but the real answers to all these questions can only come from God after you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. For the unsaved, the answer is, and to take a phrase from the army commercial, be all that you can be. <laughs> Did you ever notice that this statement has no eternal meaning whatsoever? It is all about achievement in this life. It is meant to stir up young people to achieve physically, mentally, and to serve your country and to receive honor and respect of yourself. And though there is reference to life making a difference in the future of mankind, well, we're full of that today, there is no mention of God or spiritual things. It sounds good, it feels good, and it can be rewarding and give you a sense of accomplishment, but it cannot answer the most important questions of who am I, where did I come from, what is my purpose, what happens when I die. I was talking to somebody about their oldest son, and what he was doing in life right now, I have him being graduated. She told me where he worked, and I know his dad would have liked for him to work with him in his business. And she made this statement. She said, you know, you can't pick 
for your child what they will do in life. And there's some truth and wisdom in that. But it is just as bad as a person when you make the choice for yourself what you do in this life. There's a danger in that. It sounds good, and there is some truth that it is your choice what you will do in life. But there's a better choice than that of your choosing. We could take advice out of David's playbook when he numbered the people and God gave him three choices. He had to make a choice. But what he did was he let God make that choice. What wisdom there is in that. We need to let God make the choices for our lives, for our children's lives. It could be working with you. And, and I think that's quite a natural thing. But I think we uh, mess up in our relationship so many times that it makes it hard for son and dad to work hand in hand in the same business. But maybe God just has a different choice for your son or your daughter. And we ought to be looking for that. You know, there's a saying in life that the worst tragedy in life is to be successful in something you were never meant to do or be. And certainly, certainly that is the mantra for the lost. The Bible says to the believer what to choose. Colossians 3.1 if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The best thing to do when seeking what to do is to ask God about it. And the best way to ask Him is in a desire that whatsoever you do, that it will be to the glory of God. It is not about your success in life, though may God may give you some success. It's really about the success of Jesus Christ that we need to have in our life. And whatever we do, may it be to, to that glory, to that honor. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. At the time of salvation, you're given the ability to know the answer to those three questions. Or four questions, however many I had there. But it seems that you are to search them out. But where do you search? May I suggest asking your new father. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. That's Matthew 7, 7. 
Now let's look at what God says to the saved of who you are, why you're here, what you're to do, where you're to go when you die. First of all, you are particular and you are special. Now I'd like to read all of Psalm 139. That's a wonderful psalm, amazing psalm, giving glory to God. But I just want to read verse 14 out of Psalm 139. It says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You are a unique person. This is a foundational thing, folks. You don't want to miss this. And you don't want to miss this for your children. There is only one of you. You are specially made by God who makes no mistakes. The problem you have is when you try to esteem yourself or you let others give you the esteem of yourself. This is when you are or become flawed and misdirected in life. And this is, this is a basic principle. You cannot, it's a foundational thing, you cannot get by this. By the way, when you see yourself for how God sees you, you have the power to realize this, that everyone else in the world is specially made like you. To appreciate the uniqueness that God has put in them. We can enjoy other people. I, I don't know how many people that are totally unlike me, maybe have flaws in their life, but I look at them and I see some things that are just incredible that God's put in them. They're just unique people. You begin to appreciate them. You begin to appreciate God who's doing all this. To see the specialness in people. Though some of them may be, as we call, when you come into a person and they, maybe they're scarred and disfigured in the sense of maybe they've fallen into sin and have done wrong things. But you can also, underneath, underneath lies potential, perfectly, specifically made creation. That ought to drive us to desire to see that fulfilled in their lives. When we don't see ourselves as God sees us, we become very flawed in our view of others, too. You'll see it reflected that way. Even to our own children. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. I have a feeling that God's going to use this portion of Scripture and Isaac and Rebekah, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, and through the parenting and, and should I say, the bad parenting things. Through, I mean, these, this group was, you know, they call it like blended families today and all sorts of difficulties. I mean, it, this family had a, had a rough time. There were some good things and there were some bad things in it. Genesis chapter 25, verse 21, And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife 
conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was three score years old, when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. We see here a bad mistake of parents having picks. <laughs> of the children, loving one more than the other. We have Isaac and Rebekah fostering false esteem. This led to family problems. Comparison is a sore problem in families and with other families, with peers, and with notable figures. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 warns us of comparisons. Paul's speaking here, and I think this makes a good general statement. I think it just applies, even though it's, there was a context behind it. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. I'll tell you. I talk about all the children, all my children, anybody in the church. And there's every one of you, from the back row back there to the front row, and they're unique. None better than the other. Some just seem to be gifted in certain ways. Others in other ways. All have strengths, all have weaknesses. But I take a glory in that. You know, the Bible warns us of the exaltation of others as well. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Now, why weren't they able to bear it? It says, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. Remember, <laughs> that's what we need to fight against. For where is there is among you envying? <laughs> well, we envy others. Oh, man, what silliness. We need to stop that. And strife and divisions. Are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another I'm of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth 
the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I have seen Christian families exalt one child over another. I've seen comparisons of your kids to other kids. I've seen the exaltation of people in the world, concerns over appearance of their children, role models of beauty, status, princes and princesses, the royals, great singers, <laughs> preachers, athletes, business people, and so on and so on and so on. I've seen families that get grossly competitive whether looking down on themselves is not good as, or going to the extreme measures to prove they are just as good or better than that other family. Those are wrong motivations. What a waste of time for you to be you and to be what God can make you be and open your eyes to the same speciality that God has put in others. That's what it keeps you from. It's a waste of time. It's a foolish effort. It really has no meaning whatsoever. Do, did not I just say that you are special? God made you particular. There's nobody like you. Man, you can rest in that. We need to be sure what we do does not give false esteem, but rather build up God esteem. We need to build up God esteem in our lives and others. We are all equal. We are all special. Our society has a problem with lifting ourselves and others and comparing. What you are saying is that either God made some mistakes out there or God made some better than others. In a correct sense, we should be celebrating diversity. The work of God's creation in people. God's creation in nature is a wonderful display of diversity. It's incredible. We, we get the whole world to agree on that one. However, diversity in relation to man is a battleground. And here's why. Today, the world is celebrating diversity of a whole opposite design. It is celebrating what man can be or do outside of God's design. Everything in this world is it's for God or against God. It's, that's just how it is. There's just one war going on. I mean, it, it, it tries to blend itself and disguise itself. But it's not the world's diversity celebration. It's not the celebration of God. It's the celebration of man. It's the exaltation of man being God. It is a rebellious act against God. It is as old as the original sin. It is how Satan put it in the Garden of Eden when he said, And ye shall be as gods. That's what it's celebrating. You being God. You have the right to do what you want to do. You can display it. And it's, and it's all good. That's that's what the world's diversity is about. Well, God's about diversity, too. But God's diversity brings true 
equality. It promotes opportunity and fulfillment. It fosters unity, actually. The world's idea of diversity is reliant upon inequality. It promotes entitlement and dissatisfaction, and it fosters divisions and wars. On the radio, I'm just going to give you something, a real simple thing. I just, in my mind, I'm like, this is really interesting to me. I'll hear of a Crime Stopper segment where they describe a thief, a robber, a killer that is, is loose. Their descriptions that are universal are good. It's a male, it's a female. That's probably going <laughs> to, they're going to want to try to change that. Name, that's good. We all have an identification as a name. A height, that makes sense. A weight, we all got that. Color of eyes, marking on the body, etc. Those are all okay. I got this picture. But then comes a color description. It's a black man, or it's a white man, or a black woman, or a white woman. I don't know anybody who is completely white or completely black. They are some shade in between. I'm not sure at what point of that shade that you become black or that you become white. I see some white people tan pretty good. <laughs> I'm on the other side of that white. I'm a kind of a pale kind of uh, person. I'm thinking, why don't I, they give a color shade? That would be much better. Let's say from 1 to 10. This would be really helpful uh, for identification. But why do we generalize by what we call race? There's one race, the human race. Here it is. And if we did a 1 to 10, you know what would happen? There would be an argument of if, if being black is considered 10, that might be offensive, or vice versa. You know, there'd be an argument. Why do you, why do you call my color 1? You know? I, I mean, there's just no end to this this junk. Once we identify as one people of one race, we destroy inequality. We destroy the excuses for our lack of character. We destroy the opportunity of advantage by nationality or color. It destroys prejudice based on things we have no control over, our color, our background, our God, given abilities or non-abilities, our strengths or our handicaps whether they're physical or mental. The choice between God's diversity measures and the world's diversity measures is your answer to be or not to be. That is the question. Here's another most special note we must make about ourselves and our children and our grandchildren. Psalm 127.1, a song of degrees for Solomon. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward.
as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Listen to this. We are gods. You better get this right. And you better ask yourself, speak to yourself in truth about this. We are God's possession. And our children are God's possession. They are alone to us. We are blessed to have them. And if, but if we are possessed of, the, of them, we stand in the way of them being all they can be in God. To let them be or let them not to be is the question. When it comes down to it, we are not equipped within ourselves to raise up our children. I'll tell you, I've, I've lived a fair amount of life. I've raised a fair amount of children. I look back, and all I can tell you, God did it. Truly. You know, I, you know, I went to work, I did the best I can, but there's... There's no question in my mind. It is amazing what God has done and what God has supplied through my life. There's no way that I can take any glory of any good thing that's happened through my families. And that's a good place. That's the right place to be. It's God who does it. We need to let God do what God can do. Sometimes we need to get out of the way. Except the Lord possess them, they are in trouble with hellfire. Except the Lord direct them, they will wander in the wilderness of life. Except we be the Lord's and they be the Lord's, we will create an unhelpful, unrealistic dependency that will be harmful to both. You know, I've taken notice in the Bible, and it's very clear that there is no marriage in heaven. I, I've mentioned this before, man. This is this what's hard on me. It's a fact given to us by the Lord. In that light, I think it makes sense that our children will not be our children in heaven either. <laughs> but rather, we all seem to be equal and special, one-of-a-kind children before God. Everyone with a unique name given by Christ, and each of us with a one-of-a-kind relationship with Him. This is a hard thing to understand because of the deep relationships between our spouses and our families. But may I comfort you with this thought. I was able to comfort my sister-in-law when my brother died. It seemed my brother was, you know, I didn't believe he was saved, but when I went down uh, to South Carolina where he had lived, and found how he was ministering to people in a home, how he loved him, how he took care. His life was changed. I was astounded. God got a hold of me. He was born again. And I said to Connie, I said, I said, as hard as this is for you, and as much as you loved Joe, God loves him more. God was waiting to bring him out of this crazy world, to hold him in his arms. He's been waiting for a long time. 
There is nothing that man can do that God does not exceed. Our love, as great as it can be toward each other, God's love is greater. You see, when you get a hold of that, it makes life bearable here when things go wrong. Yes, the entire purpose in your life and your family's life is to give God the glory. We'll accomplish knowing that God made us unique and special. That alone is our esteem. That he has designed us with purpose. And that is what we should seek for every family member. That his diversity will help us see ourselves and others as one of kind creations that are made to flourish in the environment that God calls them into. A place that will give us meaning, fulfillment, peace. A place full of worship and glory to God. And to know that the end of our life here is just the beginning of eternal bliss in heaven. Who am I? What is my purpose? And what do I, where do I go when I die? To be or not to be is the question. Heads bowed and eyes closed. As the pianist comes to play. Now the title might have been a little obscure and strange in places. To be or not to be, that is the question. To be or not to be what? To be a Christian or not? To be what God wants you to be or not? To be completely fulfilled in this life or not? To understand and live knowing that Christ is always with you or not? To have peace that whatsoever is lost here, no matter how wonderful turns to something greater in heaven or not. He that loses his life shall gain it. He that keepeth his life shall lose it, the Bible says. Moms, dads, and grandparents, may we guide children to be all that God has for them at our cost. Is not that what Jesus did for us? Provided life for us at the cost of his own life. Here am I, Lord. Send me. I will serve you faithfully. To give him all the glory. To find your place in this world where God has you set to give him the glory until the whole world knows for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever God spoke to you this morning, encourage your heart.
but you see you for who you are. To seek out whatever he wants you to do for his glory. <laughs> to train these precious children in the way of the Lord. It's their only hope. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessed word. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. That he came. That he loved us that much. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that we could be what he created us to be. Really, that's the only place for anybody to be. And Lord, may we not settle for anything less. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.